Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode. As always, my name is LJ. Another guest, another story, another fun time with me tonight. And tonight, I got executive chef Johnny, born and raised from Queens, and now we're chit-chatting. And of course, we met through social media, TikTok. What's going on, man? What's going on, brother? Thank you for the invite, and I'm glad to be here. No, I appreciate you. And then we've been trying to, I've been asked for like a month I've been trying to get you on. But Yeah, it's you know, been a minute. How's everything with you? Everything's all right. To be honest, it could be better, but you know what? We're survivors, so we just got to keep our head up and keep on pushing. And like I said earlier, you're an executive chef. So when I think about executive chef, I feel like you're a creative person, your mindset, your creativity, the passion for food. And I think you're like the second executive chef I ever met in my whole life. Nice, so, nice, nice. So and, and like, like I told you earlier, as a career, I've helped people that try and always dream of being an executive chef. So if you could definitely point me what made you become an executive chef or what passion that brought you that, let me know, because this could definitely help so other people out in the near future. Well, it's kind of an interesting story, because if you would have asked me 20 years ago what I wanted to do with my life, it would have never been, I want to be a chef, I want to cook, fell into my life. You know, but there was like when you think about it, there was like little steps that led me towards that without me even realizing it. Um, as you pointed out, I'm born and raised in Queens, New York. Um, you know, I grew up between Elmhurst and Corona and Queens. Um, and Queens is a very diverse, you know, town in New York City. And I grew up eating all sorts of food. Um, whether it be restaurants and, and like local restaurants or street food, which you see a lot of it on Roosevelt Avenue in Queens. I was building a palate without me even knowing. Um, and also growing up, um, I, both my parents are from Honduras. I grew up going out there literally every summer of my whole life. I would finish school in June. I would get shipped out there for the whole summer. I wouldn't be back till like August, even like the first week of September, basically before we started school. Even though there's a, there is a certain lifestyle out there, but there is poverty, I got to see it all. And uh, through my ups and downs in life, uh, I, I did the whole college thing when I was younger. At that point in time, I wasn't focused in school. I even blew a college scholarship. I used to play uh, for Concordia College in uh, Bronxville, New York. And, uh, but I, I wasn't keeping up the grades, so that didn't go so well. What you played soccer? Yeah, I played soccer. Look at that. I assume right now because you said it's Honduran, you know. Yeah, I played soccer. Uh, and I was a decent player. Probably could have gone pro if I pushed myself a little bit more, but I was just too busy doing a bunch of other things. None of them Look, too good. I I was a good soccer player too. I used to I grew up. I was playing with adults at age thirteen in Flushing Meadow Park in those leagues. Nice, but unfortunately. I learned the hard way that they don't yeah. play. They don't play straight up. You know, sometimes you have to play a little, play a little dirty, and I busted my knees <clears> a couple <throat> of times. Actually, my first fractured ankle, which was the worst pain. I was 14 years old. I never forget that injury. That gave me like oh, wow. that was it. That was like you know what? I went to high school. I played, and just like that, you said, my grades were bad. So I, I stuck around with it. You know, hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it was I, I, I grew up playing the sport, but I literally got my ass kicked every time by my cousins back in Honduras whenever I went on vacation. And all the kids out there, I wasn't great because at that time I, I grew up playing basketball, you know, baseball, football, but never soccer, only when I would go on vacations. But then uh, World Cup 94 came to the U.S. And uh, from my father's side, I have four brothers who were all big into soccer. So they 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 moved um, to the U.S. I got into it a lot more. And then, boom, I moved to Honduras. So out there, that's all I played, literally. How did, so how did that get into the hole? Like, what was your dream when you were young, though? Like you said, you didn't start off as a looking for the My dream? Stuff. What was your dream, dream job when growing up? My, my dream career, my, my dream career would have been a pilot. I wanted to be an airline pilot. Uh, but as you can see, I use glasses. Um, I've literally used glasses since I was in third grade and I haven't stopped ever since. So I knew um, that it was going to be a challenge to, because I, I, just, I, I grew up watching Top Gun. I wanted to be a fighter, fighter jet pilot. But yeah, that wasn't happening, especially later on in the in, in the years where I, where I found out what the process to get to that was. I was like, yeah, that's not happening. With that being said, ended up going to Honduras to live out there. I lived out there for almost three years. I basically did my last three years of high school out there, and uh, it was a life changing experience. Um, How was high school over there? It was hard. It was hard. Uh, that was my biggest fear at the at the beginning of the whole process when my parents said you're going to Honduras. I had to wear a uniform, which I wasn't too crazy about, you know, growing up in the city and, you know, getting all the cool clothes to go to school and sneakers. Yeah, out there. That everybody sounds hard. Uniform. That sounds, was it a culture? Was it a, the style that made it difficult for you? I mean, I just knew that school was going to be harder and and it was um, at first, I basically went, they, they call it the, the Olympics, the Summer Olympics. So basically, if you screw up the whole year, as far as grade goes, uh, they give you like this big test that just covers everything that you messed up on. And you, whatever you get on that, on that test determines whether you pass or fail. Yeah. All three years that I was out there, even my senior year, I took that test. <laughs> But I, I, I passed. I passed. Uh, it wasn't easy, but it was a great experience. Um, once living out there, I actually didn't want to come back. At 17, I was already like driving. I was playing soccer every time. You had a life over there. Yeah, it's totally different than, than what you, you do out here in New York. I came back to New York, did the whole college thing. Like I said, I wasn't keeping up with my grades. I wasn't I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Because um, I, I went from studying aviation maintenance. I was going to be a mechanic. I was working on an AMP license at a, a College of Aeronautics, which is now called Vaughn College. I did a year there, but it wasn't really what I wanted to do. So then I jumped ship from there to business administration, which is how I ended up in Concordia College. As a walk-on, I got offered a, a small um, scholarship. But again, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. Um, next thing you know, I'm 22, 23. I, I, I was doing part-time work with my dad. He was a super uh, for a building in the city. You know, he used to work for, he retired from local 32BJ. So I used to cover the guy's shifts there over the summer, whether it be doorman or like porter work. But again, that's not what I wanted to do in life. So let me get this straight. From being over here, spend three years over there. Then you came back over here went to the aviation school, changed your major to business administration. And 
is normal, I think, for any 22-year-old still not to know what, what they want, right? Yeah, do I don't think like... anybody between the ages of 18 and 25 knows exactly what they want to do. Definitely, because I didn't know what the fuck I want them to do in my life. And then, and then you get all those cats that, you know, you get some cats that graduate college at an early, you know, they do the whole school, 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 graduate, and they're not even working in their field or not happy doing what they're doing. Next thing you know, I'm 24, almost on the verge of being 25. And I'm like, I need to do something with my life. Uh, I've always contemplated with going to the armed forces, but um, my mom was always crazy about the idea because she was like, oh, I want to see my son in a uniform. My dad, he always had his uh, ideology on what military life was. Mind you, he never served in the military here or <laughs> in Honduras, but he heard like all these Vietnam stories and he just thought that it, I was going to go end up doing something dumb. And, you know, honestly, at 41 years that I am now, I'm not a big drinker. I don't have any bad habits too much. I am, I'm an occasional smoker and that's just because of stress in the job now. Uh, but when it comes to like drinking, I, I babysit drinks. I'll have like a drink here and there. Not much of a, a drinker at all. I'm a, I'm a I'm a rare breed in the chef world, to be honest with you. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything you mentioned right now from the military. When you say the word military, it's I have maybe three, four of my cousins all in the military. Yeah. And, and they would be like, you should have joined. I'm like, I have this ambition, different mindset. So <clears throat> I don't know if it would have worked out for me. So I did my research. I literally talked to every branch of the service, um, Air Force, Navy, Marines, Army, Coast Guard, and Coast Guard was the best fit. How many years you did that for? I did the Coast Guard for eight years. Eight years? Yes. What kind of life do you have with those eight years? Like what, what personal time do you have for yourself? Well, that's one of the misconceptions that people have about the military the military life is actually a great job um you know you get all the all the holidays all the, the national holidays off um you get a lot of uh downtime that uh your unit gives you uh for like morale boost mm -hmm. you know because they know that, that when you're working you're working and they know that you know having family time or or your own time just to recover from that is very important for the work life so you, you get a lot of time off. So me going to Oklahoma, again, I went there not knowing what I really wanted to do in the Coast Guard yet. I wanted to do aviation. I was actually going to go back to fixing airplanes because the Coast Guard has um, aviation. They have airplanes and helicopters. But my vision was going to be an issue. And I knew that right off the bat. So that's when I started like searching other options. The cook on that boat, there was a lot of times we went underway which that means when the boat's out at sea or out, of, out, out working. On three occasions, the uh, master chief, which was the highest ranking petty officer on the uh, enlisted person on the boat. So he was in charge. He was basically our captain. Um, he asked for a volunteer if anybody wanted to like cook the meals on those three trips. Okay. So I, I rose my hand on those three occasions and uh, it turns out that uh I had a thing for cooking. It turns out that my food was actually like better than the trained cook. And I was just like, wow. I, I even shocked myself because I mean, I grew up, you know, first 10 years, like, like I said, from my father's side, I have four brothers and an older sister. 
who they came like I, I've been known about them and met them throughout my whole life, but they didn't come to the U.S. till like later on in life. So basically, the first ten years of my life, I was a, a, an only child. Uh, ten years later, my little sister was born. Um, both my parents worked. So at a very young age, I'm talking about second or third grade, which nowadays you, it'd be crazy talk if you did some shit like that. I basically had keys to the house and I would go from school to the house. I'm by myself with keys to the house. So I had to figure out what to eat. You know, sometimes my parents would like leave me stuff. My mom would leave me stuff to eat or, or money for pizza or whatnot. But sometimes, you know, things were rough. So I had to figure out what to eat. So my go-to was either hot dogs or, or like a hot dog sandwich, which I would get two hot dogs, split them in half, do a little sandwich, melt some cheese on it. And what's funny is at that point in time, I was mixing ketchup with Tabasco sauce. Oh, and now that's kind of like a thing now where they do, you know, ketchup with sriracha. Oh, so I, I, mean, I, never, this, I don't try that. It's too spicy. I was doing that. I was doing that stuff back then. You know, again, like doing like little things that would lead me to the career path that I do now. Who, who, who did you use? Who did you watch cooking more? Your mom or your dad? Uh, my mom. My mom a lot more, for sure. Uh, my grandmother, when I would go to Honduras, I, I would always pay attention. Oh, wait. So over there, you learn some of the secrets, some of the classical traditional foods. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very big on, on, you know, typical Honduran classic home staples. Like, I, I just, I love the culture. I love the food. Like, let's speed up to the part where you leave to the military. And what did you do when you or like finished? What was your first job back? So I got out in 2013, not by choice. Um, okay. Thank God I got the honorable discharge, but I actually got the honorable boot for being 2% body fat over my max allowable weight. Wait, I mean, what's your body percentage got to be? It all depends on your height and age. Oh, and, uh, the captain that I had at that point in time could have looked away because it's not like I looked fat. I could show you pictures. I, I still look great in uniform. I could still complete the, the physical. That, that's uh, what I thought. I thought. I thought as long as you finish the, the training requirements that it shouldn't say nothing. Well, fuck it. Fuck it. Let's, that, let's skip those. I hate that shit when they freaking fuck up people with that shit. Fuck that. Yeah, fuck it, it, it was, was it was a life changing moment at that point in time because it, 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 it messed up a lot of things. Uh, so you stepped down from the military. Stepped down from the military. But then that was, a, that, that was a hard change in life for you, you said, right? Yeah, it was. It definitely wasn't planned because when I signed, I definitely said to myself, I'm going to do this for the next 20 years. I loved wearing my uniform. I love what I did. I love what I represented. To this day, I'm still the first and only from the Uyoa family that has served in the military in the U.S. Wow, congratulations. So I take, I, I, thank you. I, I take pride in that. Um, but it's definitely a love-hate relationship. I, I would I would recommend it for people that have no plan or 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 any ambition in life. Just to go give it a shot. Your, go do your four years and, and see if you like it. And why not make it a career? This is something in life that we go through. Sometimes we're, we're put in a situation, like you said, you had a game plan. And it kind of didn't work out the way you wanted yeah. to. And how was your morale? Like, how did you build yourself up, back up? Oh, my morale was was very, very down at that point in time because not only did I lose my career, but my family life wasn't good. So I kind of lost everything in one shot. 
in a matter of a week or two. So, but I got out of the military. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what I was good at. And I knew that I was in the city to get back up from, from being down. So my first job out of the military was, uh, I was a line cook at the Z Hotel in Long Island City. I know that spot next to the Queensboro Bridge, right? Yep. I worked there for like two years. Um, I also did uh, uh, part-time work at Blend on the Water. I was a prep cook there. Really? Yeah, with uh, Chef Kelvin Fernandez, who's one of the, the major guys that, you know, started up whatever food they're still selling there. It's uh, a lot of his ideas. And at the same time, I was putting myself to school again. Uh, I used my 9-11 GI Bill. And I put myself through culinary school again, one of those uh, fast paced ones. Um, it's called ICE, Institute of Culinary Education. Because okay. I said to myself, you know, let me go into this, you know, fancy school and, and learn some new tricks. Uh, honestly, I didn't learn a thing new. Uh, I had already <laughs> so, been cooking for. So let me ask you something for anyone, if you have no experience and you have no knowledge of cooking, you should go to this program right these these programs correct yeah i definitely recommend school because of my situation at that point in time i should have gone to cia um up in upstate new york okay that's a better culinary school yeah just because you walk out of there with a degree and they have um so it's a bit more of a prestigious school in the culinary world not only in new york but worldwide and they have a lot, um, a lot of more um, opportunities and, and a lot better networking. Um, but yeah, if you definitely have no experience and you want to be a chef. I definitely recommend going to school. But let it be known that every kitchen runs different. Every kitchen does things different. So you'll learn the bases in school, but it's a different animal when you're in the real world. Really? Yeah. How long did you wait to take the next leap? Or and how uh, long? And what was your first big shot after that? Well, I, I, after a year at the Z Hotel, I left for a better opportunity at a, a more upscale restaurant called uh, North End Grill, and that was over there on the uh, the west side in the city. I worked there for about six months. And the chef there, I don't even remember his name just because I didn't like him at all. Like his, his, his way of dealing with staff and talking to staff was totally not the way. He was an asshole, basically. Um, so the Z Hotel, I, let, I walked away with, you know, in good terms with them. Uh, the chef there called me up and he was like, hey, we need you back. Um, I could get you back in as a sous chef, you know. So, you know, right off the top of my head, I knew that it was going to be a little bit more money. I took the job. I went back to the Z Hotel um, and that was my first chef job. I know you went to the show Chopped. How was that about? Chopped was great. It was a great experience. Funny story is that I applied for Chopped like twice and on two occasions, they never reached out to me. And a very good friend of mine, uh, Chef Stephen Yang, who's the... uh, one of the executive chefs over at Tao Group now. He's well-connected. One night he gives me a call. He was like, yo, you want to be on Chopped? And I'm like, yeah, I would like to, but like, what do you mean? He's like, do you want to be on Chopped? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm down. 
He was like, there's an open spot. And I'm like, what you mean? I've applied for that shit and they never fucking call me. He was like, they're filming a veterans episode. One of the four competitors dropped because whatever issue. So how long ago was it, this? How long ago was Chopped? It was like two years ago. And for those that don't never heard of Chopped, what is Chopped? Chopped is a show of, where you have three rounds, an appetizer round, an entree round, and a dessert round. And uh, they give you a mystery basket. You have no idea what the hell's in them. And this is this is for real. Like, you don't know what's in them. Okay, so and, uh, answer that question for me. Because I feel like when I see it on TV, I'm like, they must give you enough time to, like, really see what's in that box and know to study what I'm going to do. Is that true? Or is it straight up, yo, they open the box? Not and, at all. The only thing really? you get to do when before filming is they give you you get you get the right to like walk around the kitchen and see what's in the pantry see what's in the 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 reaching fridges check out the equipment um they tell you bring your knife kit with your knife roll like whatever tools you want but then you're limited you 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 could only pick like a certain bit of that and uh and that's it and then as far as the baskets go you have no idea what's in them so when you first got to the show this is the first time in camera right yeah. So first time on it? camera, I was a walk on. So I, I, my boy puts me on in, in touch with the producers and the, and the, the, the scouting people. We talked. We did a Skype um, interview. Within hours, they were like, we like you. You're on. I was like, oh, shit. Literally filming was the next day. Uh, they tell you that the shit's crazy. Like we got I got there like at 430 in the morning. Is it here in New York? Yeah, it's over there by the uh, Chelsea Market. Okay. That's where the Food Network is. All right. And there's a Starbucks right in front of it. So they tell all the contestors to like meet up there. So I start seeing all like you could tell when another chef, especially like if they're walking around with a knife kit, you're like, okay, I guess they're, they're my competitors. So we, we talked a little bit, but you know, I'm a I'm a morning person, but everybody else, a lot of people aren't. What time, morning, like, like, what time was this morning person? Like, yeah, like 4 30, 5 in the morning. <laughs> and because I went to the final, I had to, I literally from 4 30 in the morning to like almost 10 30, 11 o'clock right. at night. No spoilers yet. Night. No spoilers yet. Let's get to the beginning. So check it. So your first round, how was <clears> it? They put you in the table with four other people. Yeah. So, you know, they, they, you do the walkthrough. You're like, boom, okay. I went to the bathroom. I had to do number one. I had to go take a piss. And then I'm like, I'm literally talking to God as I'm taking my leak. And I'm like, God, I don't know what the hell. Why am I here? But I'm here. I need you. <laughs> so what was your first I, you know, dish? What was your first the, dish for your first the round? First dish was uh appetizer round. So boom, I opened the basket. And I don't know. I I I kid you not. I work great under pressure and I'm very creative. Like my head's always on the go. So I open up the basket. I see the scallop potatoes. What do I do? I pick out the, you know, the, the cylinder thin sliced potatoes. I pick them out and I dump them in the, in the deep fryer. So I make chips. Oh shit. Okay. Uh, corn on the cob. I chop, chop up some tomatoes, some onions. I do like a little, you know, corn relish. Uh, the roasted uh, chicken, I pulled that off. So I made like pulled, pulled chicken, a little bit of lemon, oil, salt, pepper. That's what I seasoned that with. And then I made an open face quesadilla salad. I called it with chips. <laughs> so, wait, so people actually make up. So these are names that you just made up out of nowhere. Yeah. Once you're Except done, it? once you're done filming every round, 
they're like, okay, so what do you want to call this? And I'm like, oh shit, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so, so you took first of all, okay, so let me get this straight. Besides, <clears throat> besides giving you a random critical thinking job to cook something, now they they have to have you make up a name. Like then you have to name it because then you know they put you on camera. You so know how what? Was I, that, how dude, was that I was, dude, I I walked in there as a walk on, and I kid you not. I wasn't, I didn't feel under pressure. I, I was cool and collect. I felt like I, I, I belonged there. Um, the other contestants, I, it was me from the Coast Guard. There was an army girl, uh, Chef Roshara, Chef Ro, who I love very much. We're still good friends to this day. My boy, Chef Alex, he was from the Navy. And then there was another one from the Air Force. I can't remember her name. I don't think nobody can because she was the first one to, to get you, the boot. Really? So it was for so you? No, yeah, so nobody really called her name too much unless we watch the episode again. So <laughs> then round two, round two is the entree round. Air Force chick loses, she's out. So it's just now it's just the Coast Guard, Army, and the Navy. The entree round was meatloaf. I want to say green tomatoes. I ended up making a bolognese sauce. I found some pasta. I cooked some pasta. Oh, there was a parfait. Parfait was another one. And corn muffin mix. That was so what second, did I do? That was the second one. Yeah, that was a, that was that was the other two um, ingredients. What did I do with the yogurt parfait? I took the fruit out and I grabbed the yogurt because you you just got to use something from each ingredient. So I, I grabbed the yogurt. I put the yogurt in my corn muffin mix. So I made a parmesan corn muffin crisp, and I used the yogurt in it as part of my my wet ingredients. And then with the meatloaf, I made a bolognese. I cooked some pasta, the green tomatoes. I, I added that to my tomato sauce and boom, that was my dish. Uh, my boy, Alex, he made some crazy, this is the Navy guy. He made some funky Asian style dish. I don't even remember what it was, but his flaw was he cut his finger. He nicked his what? finger. Yeah, he cut himself. So he wasn't able to finish his dish completely, I think. I think he missed one ingredient in the dish. And then my girl, Chef Ro, she made some meatballs, something in a sauce. And boom, it comes down to the judging. Navy gets kicked out. So now it comes down to the dessert and final round, Coast Guard versus Army. So Bro, what time was this? Like, what time was it? Did you have a break? This was already shows? like this was already like five o'clock, maybe four or five o'clock. Because once you're done filming. Then you go through like a whole three hour or more interview of just like mad random questions. It's overwhelming. It's like, holy shit, I'm tired. I want to go home. So was the money worth it? Did it give you some type of incentive out of this shit? No, unfortunately, we'll get to that. So let's go to dessert round. Dessert round was lemonade drink mix, already mixed up in water, peanut in a shell, Rice Krispie Treat, and okay. peaches. So, boom, we opened the baskets with my peaches. I threw some brown sugar and butter, put them in the oven to roast uh, with my lemonade drink mix. I put that in a, in a saucepan. I put that to boil. I put some mint, ginger. I grabbed raspberries and strawberries, and I made a little calice, like a, a little jam, almost like sauce, uh, berry sauce, basically. Um, then with the peanuts in a shell, I cracked some of those open. I made ice cream. With uh, I made a peanut butter rice krispie treat ice cream. So what was the time frame on that? 
the dessert round is one of the shortest rounds. I think you get like 30 or 45 minutes. Oh, I want to say 30. So check this out. My fucking dessert was banging. Like everything, the, like the way I thought it out, it all was going to work. But get, guess what Chef Johnny does? Uh, this is one thing that uh, Chef one uh, Chef, you hear me? Uh, DJ Wonder Weekend on TikTok freaking stays joking on me. About. Yeah, I was gonna say he called you out on something. Yeah, uh, Chef Johnny decides to put almond extract in the ice cream, and I didn't need it. I overthought it, and then not only did I put almond extract in the ice cream, which it wasn't needed, but when I opened the bottle and poured in poured the thing into the ice cream, I overdid it. Like instead of being a little bit like. The whole fucking bottle almost went into did, it. Did they cut the bottle? They cut that in camera? No. <laughs> yeah, they cut that part in camera, but the judges did say something about it. Like they were like, oh no, he overdid it with the. And right then I knew I was like, damn, I'm fucked. And in my defense, the damn ice cream was still good, but it just tasted like straight up almond ice cream. Okay. So all the other ingredients that went into it didn't shine at all. Okay. So my plating was on point. My plating was on point the whole the whole show. My plating was on point. My knife skills was on point. Like I was good. Uh, Roshara, Chef Bro, I forgot what she made, but at the end of the day, Coast Guard took an L that day. I lost. I lost because of that damn decision to put almond extract in my ice cream. Uh, so because of that loss, I missed out on ten thousand dollars that day. Holy shit! So you knew in your heart you would have won that. I wanted to win so bad. It would have made me felt so good. I mean, shit, you made it to the finals on a walk on within 24 hours ago. That's Pretty enough, much. To, that's enough to say, still, fuck it. I was still blessed, man. It was a great experience. Uh, one of the judges, Chef Chris Santos, who is the owner of, he's got a couple of restaurants in the Lower East Side, and he offered me a job. Oh. Um, I, did a, I did a food tasting with him. But we didn't come to money terms. Okay. So, and then they wanted to like, basically they wanted to put me down as a line cook and work my way up again. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, like I'm, I'm, I'm a sous chef over here and I'm making way more money. But it was a dumb move because like within a year after that job offer, Tao bought, like they merged. So now oh, whatever he had going on is a part of the Tao group now, which was a, I, I would have been set if I would have gone with the plan. Um, but things happen for a reason. I'm a firm believer about that. And uh, it just wasn't my time. Um, I had literally the entire Coast Guard watching me on that show. Um, aside from all the people here in New York, all my family all over the place. I had people in Honduras watching me. Like the day that the show aired, I was receiving, my, my phone was blowing up. Everybody was supporting. Everybody was rooting for Chef Johnny. It was, it was a great experience. But besides all that, I made two awesome friends, um, Chef Alex and Chef Rowe. Uh, chef Rowe is a chef out of Bridgeport, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And she's amazing at what she does. She is currently an instructor. She's a, she's a t- teacher at um, CIA now. She's actually the first black female um, chef instructor at, at this school so you know she's making moves in history um, through her connects we ended up hosting a dinner at the James Beard house here in New York City Interesting. so from the networking and meeting at the Food Network Chop Show 
not only have we become lifelong friends, but it led us because we said once once the recording was done, we were like, yo, one of these days we got to get together again and do something. What bigger freaking scale than cooking at the James Beard house and being featured chefs at this prestigious spot in New York and, and, and having a meal. Every ticket for that meal that was sold, I believe it was like 60 to 80 people. Every ticket was sold for $180 to come eat our food. I mean, think about it. That just, that networking opens doors. I'm thinking, Um, did you apply for any other shows after that? Because I'm thinking, yo, hit up the other shows. I I was almost a shoo-in for Beat Bobby Flay. Uh, this This was actually like a year ago. But then they come down to a question, oh, have you ever been on TV? And when I said yes, and I told them where, they were like, oh, no, I wish you would have never said that. Because my face was on Chopped, they can't put me on that show because they want fresh faces on the Food Network. Mind you, a lot of these big name chefs, they stay going on these shows. But I was like, all right, whatever. So now I know, like, if I ever get the opportunity again, like... They're going to ask me that question again. I'm going to be like, no, I've never been. <laughs> I'm thinking like, yo, now that everything's home and settled, like, isn't this a perfect time to open up like a YouTube page or something? Or maybe yeah, go, go live um, and have, collaborate with some of your other I friends? I have a lot of ideas in my head. Um, I definitely want to do the whole YouTube thing. I definitely want to do more TikTok cooking. Uh, TikTok's a great window for exposure right now. And it's free. A lot of people always tell me, yo, when you're going to have do your own cookbook? I have a lot of ventures and a lot of ideas in my head, but there's always a but. There's life has kicked me in the in the butt right now Um, due to covid and not having a job for almost a year. I'm actually in a homeless situation and I'm just I'm, I'm being blunt with you because. I like you. You're a cool dude. You're 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 a class act. So what the hell? I'm gonna put my business out there. I haven't really been promoting this because I don't think anybody who's homeless is gonna be telling the world, "Hey, I'm homeless." Um, it's it's not a fun place and situation to be in, but I'm overcoming it. Um, I went through some things over the summer, a breakup. Uh, that situation led me to leaving New York. I said. Fuck it. I'm leaving to I'm, I'm, I'm going to my parents. My parents left New York after 40 years of living out here. They live in Texas now. They live in Houston. Um, I left out there to be next to family, you know, due to this whole situation of the pandemic and all that. You know, I was going through my little. Uh, you went through a breakdown, went through a breakdown, uh, depression, anxiety. So I needed to be near my loved ones my immediate loved ones so you found a way you knew that going back home will be the safe mode for you yeah even though out here in new york i have uh your family i have i have a very big support you know my 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 three kids and uh i just i needed to get away so i went to houston i was out there for about a month i was working out i was with my family I was building myself up again and, and, and coming up with uh, ideas of what to do next, what my next move was going to be. In that time, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry to come back to New York just because I, I need to be near my kids. I need to be near my kids. Um, I miss them. So 
I found an apartment on Craigslist. Good old Craigslist finally got me. Um, it was an apartment that I liked. It was an apartment that I could afford at that point in time. And I went for it. I signed a lease via email. I sent money via Zelle, $3,600. Throughout the whole process, my gut was telling me this sounds fishy. But you know what? I'm going to have faith in this whole process because I, I need this place. I want this place. It can't go wrong. Hours away from driving back up from Houston, I made the phone call to the person that I was in touch with because I needed to get, I was almost pulling up to New York. So the, the last time we spoke, it was, you know, give me a call when you're close so you could pick up keys. And it was a scam. The guy had blocked my number. He went MIA on me. Fuck, man. I was, I, I rebuilt myself again and I was amped about coming back to New York and boom, I got hit with that. So I'm currently in a veterans homeland shelter in uh, Brooklyn. I ain't going to lie. The beginning and process of this whole thing is bad, but I had to go through the city first in order for the VA to look my way. Once the VA looked my way, I was, I was in a better place. I'm in a better place now. Um, highly motivated. So inspiring. Um, Look, let me, let me let me first things first. For, uh, let me thank you first of all for even sharing that. It's not a lot, you know. It's not like a place. It's hard to talk about stuff like that. But let me tell you how inspiring that sounds. To rebuild myself, to come back here, the city that we all know that either you love and hate it could cause. Like I tell people, if you live in New York City, you fucking get PTSD. That's the way I always say it. Yeah. To come back here to find hope, to have that taken away from you. To not say, okay, I'm not going to give up. I'm still going to come here. To do this, to say where you're at, and to still smile sometimes, and to still go out there and show the good side of things. I mean, motherfucker, fucking, it's inspiration. <laughs> let's put let's put that in the table right now. Because right Appreciate now- Appreciate it, man. Thank you, thank you. I'm going to say it straight up, because that's not, you know, the well, world you know what? Hard. As tough as living and the way of life in New York City is- it's made me this way, man. Like, I don't come from a rich family. I come from a hardworking family. I, I, I never had everything in life. I had to work for it. This is just another, another rock in my way right now. And, and it's going to get better. Storm, storms don't last forever. I know that for a fact. I, I served eight years in the Coast Guard. And I've been in shitty weather in the ocean. And guess what? It goes away. So with that being said... I'm in a better place now, mental, mentally, physically. I'm pretty close to, I just got word last week that uh, I've been approved for the Hoodvash um, voucher, which is going to enable me to look for my place. Moving forward, I, I know what I want. I know what I want to do. And I know what I'm capable of doing. And it's, it's, it's all going to come. It's all in due time. This, this, this is kind of like, simulating that story about the kids that get out of school and just want to make them big bucks. No, you got to put in that work. And it's what I'm doing now. I'm putting in the work. I do my best to smile. A lot of the time it's a real smile, but a lot of the time, you know what? I got three kids that look up to me and I got to make shit work for them. I mean, through, through the pandemic uh, and being unemployed, I've actually, uh, been able to see them a lot more lately and i miss my family man and 
I've been taking advantage and, and doing my best to be there for them. Things are going to get better. Can't get any worse. Can't get any worse. And I got hit with the COVID. I got hit with the COVID. Um, it didn't do nothing to me. I had no, I was, I showed no signs whatsoever. Um, I've also been hit with the vaccine already. Uh, I got both vaccines and uh, I'm feeling great. So I'm 95% covered because of the vaccine. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the fortunate ones, I guess. I'm ready. I'm, I'm just ready for all this shit to go away or somewhat go away so I could just attack and, and, and continue with my life path, you know. I keep on telling people, people raised in the 70s and 80s, this different breed. When we're definitely about, we're definitely the epitome of been there, done that. Don't bullshit me. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, I'm 85 and people was I, I failed so many times in my life. I failed. Yeah. I've gotten fired. I've been backstabbed and I got myself all the way up. And just hearing what you said is like, I could just see that. Like, I, I know now that if I ever get lost myself, it's okay to heal, go back to the basics to heal. Oh, family. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, growing up in New York, I think made me that way. Going to the military enforced it. And we're here, man. We're here. Like I said, it can't get any worse. Um, I'm in a homeless situation. I've been unemployed, not because, not by choice, but just because of what's going on right now. And and you can still go online and still have, make people laugh. You can still show the happy side of it. Actually, I, I just uh, I signed up for this this favorite chef competition going on. I don't know if you've, you've seen yeah, it. Yeah, I saw it. I signed up for it. And uh, I kind of briefed through my my situation on it, you know, because, again, I haven't really voiced out to the world that I'm in a homeless situation, because at the end of the day, I'm not asking for anybody's hope. I don't want anybody's hope and I don't want nobody feeling pity over me because I know that. You know, social media, there's a lot of fake people and there's a lot of there's a lot of fake people and there's a lot of real friends. I ain't going to lie. I've had real friends reach out to reach out to me and, and, and give me a hand and help me out throughout this whole process. But there's a lot of people that just do this, you know, a lot of talking. So I kind of briefly started my statement as homeless veteran chef. And I actually had this one or this, this one guy who I got acquainted with him through a coworker, one of the doormans at, at my job, who I don't even know. But this guy has been on on Master Chef, like uh, the one, but the Spanish version of it, and I think he won or almost won. Dominican cat, I don't even know his freaking name. Never gives me a like. We follow each other. Never gives me a like. Never talk to me. Doesn't know who the hell I am. He decided to write me a a comment. It's something something along the lines of, "It's sad to pull this homeless card," something like that. To to try to win a competition. Ooh, that boy, I read this thing first thing in the morning too. I read, I read that thing first thing in the morning and boy, that, that, that little message lit me up. Mm-mm. Cause I was like, somehow, some, some way, somehow I, I, I knew something like this was going to happen because again, you look at my life on social media, you don't know that I'm going through this, but you don't know nothing about me what made you write that 
And if you're really that concerned, why don't you just DM me or something? <clears throat> so I hit him up. We went back and forth a little bit. I kind of briefed him on, on, on my story, but, you know, with a little bit of an attitude. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry. But he was kind of saying, like, and I'm sorry, but not really sorry. And I was just like, you know what? Just unfriend me, man. I, 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 I unfriended him. I'm not going to go through that whole petty shit of blocking him or anything, but I unfriended him. I think he still follows me. But uh, it was just stupid because it's like, bro, like, why the fuck would I lie about something like this? I was like, you want you want to come visit me at the shelter? I could give you the address, but make sure you bring food for all the homeboys that live here because everybody here is a vet and they're all in the same situation I'm in. And he never he never replied back. So it's, it's just I've been very private about this whole situation. But you know what? Fuck it. I mean, I mean, the, the point I give people, I always give people space to speak. So the way yeah. you get this platform is some people are embarrassed of what they have or they don't want to talk about it, but I want to embrace it just because at the end of the day, you know, you can't be scared. And I feel like you sharing that story, someone could listen to this. So maybe someone could listen to this, maybe feel like they're not alone. Maybe reach out yeah. to you, maybe support it. But I've never been afraid to give someone a platform to speak their minds. It goes down to that uh, that that Rocky speech. What about getting knocked out by life? But it's all uh, that's exactly what I thought about. I, I was about <laughs> to mention that earlier because, I mean, end of the day, man, it's up to you if you still want me to post this out there because it's your word, it's your story, and um, yes. I've lost a lot of friends because I played it safe. Or there were times that I was down, that I thought I was a motivator. Yeah. Then, I, then I realized that life hit me hard, and I had to reheal myself. You taught me right now that healing sometimes is okay to go back to your loved ones. You know, I never thought about that. I never thought about going back to my mom's or my dad's for healing. I thought about it maybe in my, like, yeah, but I never thought about, yo, you know what? Go back, you know, go back to the beginning. My, my mom still tells me, come over here, come over here. And I'm like, I can't, mom. Like, when I'm 41 years old, how am I going to be doing living with you? I, but it, it, I just, I, I felt it when you said I had to go back home. And yeah. I thought in my head, fuck, when I was down, when I went through my shit, I, you know, I should have went back home. Like maybe I, I could. It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter how. It doesn't matter how bad you are, or, or how good you are, or how shitty of a person you are, or what the hell you're doing, or what got you to that point. I think parents don't judge you. They're there. That's true. I I, I fucked up so much in my life, and <laughs> my dad's in Florida, and you know it's, it's interesting because you're just saying that. I think about maybe like two months ago. Yeah. I called him. And he's asking me, like, yo, you change, you're going through shit. I'm like, yeah, I, I found who I am. And he's like, you know what? Since little kid, you never, you weren't that person. You must have went through a lot of shit lately for you to have that kind of, like, energy. So, and the only thing that touched me, what he, he told me, the kid I raised doesn't think like that. And I'm like, what do yeah. you mean? I'm like, get the fuck out of here. But literally, he kept on telling me, everyone needs a mentor in life. Everyone in life needs a mentor and everyone needs somebody. You can't do things by yourself. You're, you're, you're a mentor for your kids, but who's going to mentor you the day I die? That's something like Mr. Miyagi shit right there. Yeah, and, definitely. You know, definitely hits home. Man, for you to even smile about the good things, the little things in life, it makes you appreciate what you have in front of you. And you have kids, so I think that's your golden, your golden, you know, your your thing that you love the most. Yep. And you're doing that's this for That's sure. for sure. And like I said, uh, even at 41, I got ambition, man. I'm still hungry. I'm still hungry for more. And it's not, it's not really 
I don't really want more to to showboat or to show off. Oh, I got a house, or oh, I have a badass car, and I got all this money sitting in the bank. No, like like my my reason and only reason to to want more is is one to leave a legacy, and two for my kids. Like I, I want to be gone, and I want people to always remember me. Like Johnny was always a fighter, you know. So that's another reason why I do this podcast. Because one day I feel like I may not be here, but you <clears> may <throat> be here. So my sons could listen to my voices. They could see, they could hear my mindset. They could hear the people I talk to. Because okay. I, I don't. I mean, usually when I when I end these shows, I feel like I want to talk about motivation and your motivational quote. But before we get there, man, like, like what is your what is your goal right now? You say you know, like, what is your goal right now? What message do you give anyone out there? that may be going through the same situation that you may go through or something similar. There's always somebody out there that has it worse. Keep pushing. Don't give up. There's, nobody, there's always somebody out there that just has it worse than you. I got my two hands. I got my two feet. I got both my eyes that work. You just need desire. And then, and, and don't get in that comfort zone. Being in a comfort zone is, is, is a big mistake that a lot of us makes. Little little unknown fact about me is uh, my birthday's in October, October 19th. I get bummed out on my birthdays, man. You know why? Why? Because I look back at what my parents were doing at my age, and they were in a better place, better situation. And and maybe I knock myself too much for it, but because I, I try to compare. Yeah, that was not supposed to compare, man. I, my but, little but brothers are way things, better than things me. has changed. Things has changed a lot too. Like rent day ain't as crazy as it is now back then. You know, it's it's a different ballgame. You shouldn't because you fucking inspire me. Now I'm never scared. <laughs> I'm never even it's like only a, that. It's only like around my birthday. And then after once my and then it's like, damn, I'm getting old, man. Fuck. I was just 21 like yesterday, and now I'm fucking 41. <laughs> Well, I feel, I, I'm 35 and I turned 36 this year. I feel like this COVID took a year of my life away. Everything's but, on hold right now, but we'll, it we'll is. Get but back you now. know, uh, I'm grateful to like um, I like what you say. Someone always got it worse. I always think like that too. Like somebody got it worse. So if I have a, a job right now, I'm grateful for it. If I don't make enough mud, if I have enough money just to live where I'm at, I'm grateful for it. But what I do feel I am very humble about is meeting other people and surrounding myself by positivity and i feel yeah, like that's what it, that's what it was to be in social media again it's all um, about the good vibes good vibes man good vibes faith stay positive focus focus on yourself as best as you can because if, if you're good everything else around you will will get better you know all right so before we we continue to the last part of the show you know, let me know right now what's going to happen with Chef Johnny in 2021. Like, let the audience and me know what's going on and what's going to happen next. Um, <clears throat> uh, I think by the summer, by midsummer, no later than the fall, I think we will be back hopefully at an 80% or better to uh, what normal life is. So I definitely see uh, Skyroom opening up again. Uh, that's that's my my current job that I've been furloughed from. So you know, hopefully I'll I'll be back at the helm um, of that spot. Um, I've also been thinking about um, moving forward with Sarco Catering Co., which is a, a little catering company that I've always envisioned pushing and moving forward with that. 
I also want to get into the apparel business. Uh, I don't know if you see my shirt here. Food is culture. culture. Uh, with the uh, Do what it. is this? The the supreme style lettering. Yeah, uh, you're fine with that. Just throw it up in there, man. You'll do it, man. Do it. Food, food is culture. Um, is something that I that I use. Uh, it's a hashtag that I use quite a lot whenever I post food stuff because I believe that food brings any culture together. It don't matter where the hell you're from, what beliefs you have, my brother. If you hungry and the food is good, you're gonna sit at that table, and you're gonna have the best conversation with a stranger. And you're going to have the best time because food provides energy for the soul. And once your soul has been energized, you can do anything you want, man. I'm a firm believer about food being culture. Shit, especially now. It's been a long time since we've seen a bunch of people inside a restaurant. You appreciate the restaurant business more than ever now. Exactly. Um, And once I'm in a, hopefully by then I'll, I'll be in a better situation where i'll i'll do a lot more filming so you will see me doing more tiktoks lives and and doing all this youtube stuff and invite stuff me. stuff that has been Dude, been long you, overdue i you can definitely call me in one of your youtubes i'll be a te- i'll be a tester i'll record with you yeah, look yeah, yeah. one of the yeah, things yeah. about creating it creates meeting other creators is fuck it why not you're here I, i'm down i'm down to go on one of your shows or you, something you could you could do your uh I go your fish, your fish Ecuadorian ceviche, and I'll do my caracol ceviche from Honduras. I'm down. If you get, you know, maybe sometime in the spring, we have a big enough kitchen. I, I mean, that's what's up, man. That's what's up. I, I, I really appreciate this. I'm pretty sure um, DJ Wonderican would do the same thing too. I'm pretty sure. We yeah, yeah. Oh no, me and Wonderican, we've been ever since I met the dude. He's he's, he's been a class act as well. Uh, I gotta be I gotta be careful what I say because I don't want Titi Rican to get on me. Right, right. I gotta be careful. Now we got we got Titi Catracha now up on her ass. Yeah, I gotta be careful uh, what I see on social media. I'll be like, yo, be careful. I get myself into a phone. No, call. <laughs> hands down, hands down. My, my boy DJ Wonderican, just like you, like we don't know each other personally, but definitely you two guys are like people that I could open up to and talk to. Uh, he's definitely one of them who, who knows what I'm going through. And has been very supportive. And uh, we talk all the time. I always tell him that, you know, once all this shit's over, I'll, I'll go upstate and freaking you DJ and I'll cook. We'll, we'll, we'll make something happen. And anyone listening to this, this is not even scripted. Just to give you guys a heads up. I wasn't even, Johnny didn't tell me that he was going to open up like this. This was, and, this and, was on the fly. We we're going to just and, talk about how great yeah. cooking is. Cooking skills, experience. <laughs> yes. and And for me, I keep it real. So I, I think I think and bless anyone that's even listening to this to understand that you're not alone and that fuck man. You know, you know why I decided to just open up right here, man, because it was a weight on my shoulders. I feel relieved. Like I ain't scared. Like, like again, like there's there's people that are in worse situations. Fuck it. Well, you know me. I'm not gonna fucking judge nobody. I'm a piece of shit myself in life. So it is what it is. <laughs> and then, and then just to just just to shine off a little bit on how on, on what the show is really supposed to be about, the cooking career, the cook, the culinary world has been a blessing to me. I have a great network of friends, uh, of people that in the industry that are, are have done big things or are doing big things. Uh, a lot of them are are in a halt, just like I am, just because of the pandemic. But it's only going to make us stronger. 
if you really have that passion and desire to cook, it takes a different breed. It's not the same to cook for 10 people at home than it is to cook for 450 covers, you know, on any given lunch or brunch or dinner. The number could be possibly bigger. Then on top of that, to deal with like catering events, it's, it's, it takes a different animal. So if you have that desire, put yourself through culinary school. If you have no experience, if you don't want to do the whole uh, the whole four-year program, there's, there's, there's programs that, you know, put you out as a line cook within a year, but put yourself in a restaurant and, and get the experience, man. It's, and, and be humble, stay focused. And that, and, and that just comes with any, any career of choice that you want to do in life, you know, staying humble, stay focused. Don't think about the money. The money will eventually get better once you put in your time, but don't go to a career because you think you're going to get the money or you think you're going to get famous or no, don't think of none of that. All that will come in time. You know, just, just stay passionate about what you do. If you have passion about what you're doing, work isn't work. Work is just something that you enjoy doing and, and, and the perks are you get a paycheck from it. I'm learning more about that now. And I thank you so much for sharing that because these last couple of months, like people ask me, lately people have been asking me like yo why you keep on doing this why you keep on doing this podcast like i'm like yo I, I hit the 500 views i hit the 600 views i mean i'm happy that's in 15 episodes i hit over 600, 600 views i'm like i'm blessed he's like that's nothing that's not a lot i'm like it's not the point dude you know what but those those small numbers value them you know why because they're real people that take the time to view but, your show definitely eventually it's going to get passed on and those numbers are going to get bigger and then those numbers are going to get bigger. And sometimes there may be people just kind of glimpsing and Glimpsy. they walk away, but you get people that actually tune in and, and, and feel what you're doing. Exactly. No. And, and, and I mentioned this to one of my friends who really asked me, am I really spending my time doing this? I said, bro, as you can see, I do this late at night. So I said, I have my regular job. I spend time with my family, but at nighttime, you know, while the world sleeps, I'm out here trying to do something out of nothing. And I do the whole thing. I do the editing, the pictures, everything. I'm still learning. I, YouTube's my teacher. And like I said, in the day, for every one viewer I get, I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm like a little kid for jumping. There you go. You see, that's what it is. And you know what? And I want to end the show. I want you to share your more, your favorite motivational quote or something that you live by. Something that I live by. I would have to say I'm a big fan of uh, motivational quotes by Vince Lombardi. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them that always stands out to me is the leaders aren't born. They are made and they are made just like anything else through hard work. You work hard. You may get noticed. You might not get noticed, but eventually things are going to get better. And the man upstairs is watching. So if you have some sort of faith, whether it be God or whatever it is, things will get better through hard work. Anything, anything that's hard that you put in hard work for will eventually show its fruits later on. And anything that's fast paced and easy doesn't last long. Hey, look, man, at the end of the day, I'm happy that you came to the show. My, I, I, that's why I love the title, Live It, Love It, Fuck It, to the point that sometimes I'm, I want to change it because people get so offended by the word fuck it. But sometimes in life, you just got to say fuck it and do it. You need to put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, good looks, because I have people that want me to build a shirt on it. Worst case scenario is you could hear a, a no or 
have a door closed in your face, but somebody else is going to say yes. And then there's another door that's going to open. It is what it is. And I think you're right, man. That's exactly how I felt. I lost jobs. I lost friends. And I was like, but my, are, my, are my kids still alive? Do they have a home? Are they still happy? And as long as that matters, that's the most important thing to me. I don't give a fuck what happens to me. Yeah. As, like, like that's like that's how I, my mindset and i learned that from my father and like i said you know what I, I i thank you so much today man for bringing this um opening light and i hope anyone that's listening to this right now if you have any questions about this or you know want to get to know johnny more i'll, I'll definitely put your ig there because this guy's a real you. this guy's a real authentic guy and matter of fact, you can put my you can put my IG, my Twitter. My matter of fact, I also want your TikTok. freaking. I want your chop video. I'm gonna, I want some of your chop video because I want to put some of those. Season clips. 26, episode eight, I believe. If you have Amazon Prime, it's an easy search. I'll find that shit. I'll, I'll find a way to record that shit and put it on my Instagram. But yeah, yeah man, yeah, yeah. I do thank you so much. I appreciate you. No, man. Uh, keep the show going, man. It's inspiring. It's uh, shit. You make me want to do like a chef talk show. Do it. Yeah. After, after everything that happened with COVID, if you're not fucking inspired to do something more in your life than just be part of this little routine life, fuck that. Just do it. No, I hear you, man. I hear you. I, I appreciate uh, the invite. Um, thank you very much for your time. Uh, blessings for you and your family and blessings to the show, man. I appreciate it, it man. And like that, we're going to end the show, man. Everyone else, have a good night. Bye.